Welcome to Sapientia. I'm James. And I'm Justin. And once again, we're coming at you with an episode of stampeding over delicate issues. <laughs> uh, so this Filling the Gaps episode, we're going to be talking about abortion. All right. So what should we, we should state what our next episode will be first so we don't forget too. Um, this is a transition to religion. And so we're, we're going to move from feminism to religion. And we felt that abortion was a good... Crossover. It's it's a it's an easy one. Well, and well, I don't mean just easy because like everybody's talking about it because it's there. But um, there's a lot of contention about it. Um, human sexuality and abortion, or I'm sorry, human sexuality and the church tend to get uh, thrown around mm-hmm. at a, a lot. Um, maybe we can put some of that uh, to rest in this episode. So, so where do we want to start? I think the best place to start is whether or not it is good, neutral, or bad to have a kid, period. So irrespective of whether or not you um, ha- want an abortion or not, whether or not you ought to have kids, ought not to, and so 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 forth. Okay. So you want to start with that question, James? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I would start with... Um... I would say that if we take a statistically uh, average family, um, solid income, job security, um, f- you know, food security, um, housing security, all of those kinds of things, you know, a, a nice stable household, and judge the moral stance of having bring a child into that kind of household, ultimately it's a good to me. Um, you're not putting the child at risk. You're not putting it uh, by being at home. You're not putting it at risk, presumably in your community, um, and you have the means to support it financially. Um, whether it's one, two, or X number of parent households is sort of arbitrary in this calculation, in my mind. Um, just as long as things are stable, mm-hmm. I think um, it's a good ultimately. Yeah, I'd agree with this as well. I think that. It's, I think that existence itself confers a slight positive moral valency. And the way I judge this is if you take, if you give someone an option of whether or not to exist or to exist with more suffering than uh, pleasure, most people would prefer to exist. And this tells me that just merely existing has some. Um, positive moral valency and so if you can bring another person to the world especially if you can have them have uh, positive uh, experiences in life it's probably a good thing to do yeah absolutely uh i I think it's interesting too that you talk about like people wanting wanting to exist even if it's more net suffering i think actually kind of taps into a little bit our our grasp of finite versus infinite Right. Our lives are finite, but when we die, that's infinite. Whether or not there's an afterlife, it's infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of that that finitude, even if it's a bad finitude, is still something that we can wrap around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as hyper-objective as death, one might say. Yeah, I suppose. Hyper-objective. Yeah, you're making a reference to Timothy Morton. I am. So if you're out there... Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't get it, but thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried to. Uh, that's an interesting thought. Um, so obviously, I, I don't... In this episode, you'll definitely see the differences in our religious views as well. So um, coming at it from a religious perspective, I imagine that, that uh, that's really relevant, the um, afterlife that a potential being could have. Yeah, yeah. Um... And so there's um, there's a little bit of a little bit of work I'll have to do with describing this, so bear with me. Um, and of course, I've been um, kind of moving in a more orthodox Christian direction, but I know more about the Catholic Catechism, so I'll just speak from that because I'm much more clear with it. Um, so certainly. You want to go to heaven. Like, that's the goal. Um, And certainly, you know, 
I believe there's such a place, and if there actually truly is such a place, it's a pretty great place to be, uh, and forever. But there's a sort of, in the Catholic Church, to just kind of jump right to abortion on this one, um, if you have an abortion, that's kind of like it. That's that's uh, indissolvable, basically, or inabsolvable. Um, that that's that's basically a one-way ticket to hell. Um, and certainly, you know, murder and cold blood and things like that are up there as well with, mm. um, you know, the truly gravest of sins. And part of it is, you know, denying denying a being its existence in the life of serving God, but also, um, you know, choosing to end a life, um, certainly bad, but to bring it back to like having children as an example, um, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we want, we want that. Um, you know, the church is like, yes, please have babies. Um, partly because, you know, it's, it's in the best interests of an institution to promote growing the institution. Um, but, but certainly in, a, in an institution where the, the goal is eternal salvation for everyone ever, um, you know, it, the more people you can have supporting that kind of ideology, the, the net better it is for everyone if that's true. Uh, yeah. Um, so we, we don't disagree with this at all then. There's a positive to having children, but just to just to um, bring it full circle, um, it does. This this question is really pertinent because if you believe that having kids is a bad thing, if you're an antinatalist, then abortion is a non-issue. It's like literally a moral good. Um, and if you believe that is morally neutral, then your entire perspective on abortion would be just colored by the mere circumstance of the abortion itself and not the potential life that could exist. Um, unless, of course, you believe the fetus is already a person, which we'll get to. Right. So, and incidentally, that'll be our next question. Sure. So, given that, is, abor is abortion morally wrong, morally good, or morally neutral? Morally wrong in every conceivable way that I can conceive of. Um, and that's partly partly fueled by um you know conviction um to serving god but also um i there like after after i got out of high school i was kind of in this like really angsty you know super you know atheistic like the the kind of internet atheist that's like that thinks you're just a complete moron if you believe in anything at all other than science and facts and logic. Um, so I was I wasn't quite that far, but it was it was close because I didn't do, I didn't say things like that because I knew better. Um, so during that time, it was it was a bit more of a, a point of contention for me. Uh, I didn't think that it should be something that people did just like as a form of birth control. Um, I didn't think that was cool because certainly it was in this gray area of, well, is it a person? Is it not a person? I'm going to err on the side of caution and say that it is a person and that you shouldn't just go do it. Um, my, the, the point where I started to look at that differently was um, in rape cases where it's like, okay, sure maybe then it's okay um you know certainly it wasn't your choice to be impregnated with this child uh so you know maybe you can choose to undo that and i said well okay if i'm gonna allow it at all it's gonna be in just this one case um and that and that was that but as i've you know grown more in faith it's a lot less about circumstance and a lot more about principles. You know, the the circumstance that led me to think that abortion would be okay if a woman were raped hinged upon, um, you know, choice to do with one's own body, right? So, and that's fine. 
you know, you have lots of choices and you should be in control um, because that's good. It's I'm not going to say that it's morally a bad thing to choose what you do with yourself, but um, I'm of the belief that, you know, the, the, the being that a woman is growing inside of her when she's pregnant is already a being. It, it, is, it is fully human, and to abort that is to murder a human being. And that, you know, even if she were raped, it's not about simply you know, I, you know, I get an extra step of, you know, I get to do what I want with my body because it was taken away from me. If somebody took it away from you, how does that propagate a moral good to then take it away from somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that probably sums it up. So what about, what about you, Justin? Let, I want to, I want to hear this. It's, it's been a little bit shadowy. Um, uh. Before we jump there, I just want to strongman your position, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure I fully understand it too. Sure. Uh, so it's that there's, it's om- I hesitate to use Kantian language. Okay. Well, that's okay. We'll let it slide this time. <laughs> but like, it's almost as if there's a there's a categorical imperative not to kill a person. Right. Period. And Certainly. There's, there's no circumstances that can justify that. And as a consequence, abortion is always and everywhere morally wrong because regardless of circumstance, you will end up ending the life of a person. Right, certainly. And that, for those who don't know, that kind of hinges on the um, the teaching that life begins at conception, mm-hmm. that that's like that moment is when the life is created. Um, and so it's instantaneously, you know, imbued with, um, the love of God, certainly. Um, and just to get a clear grasp, sure. Um, is it okay to have an abortion if the mother's life is threatened? No. Okay. Still no, um, because then you are you are killing someone. To, it's it still ends up being a murderous kind of situation, um, and. Certainly, it would be. It would be a better thing to. If you knew it was going to be an issue, to have avoided it in the first place. Like I have a friend whose mom, if she ever got pregnant again, would die. She has a v- extremely rare heart condition where, um, if she gets pregnant, her the pregnancy hormones will cause her to have heart attacks. Um, yeah, it's it's super serious. There's like. You know, you can count on, you know, fingers and toes how many people have ever been documented with this. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they took, you know, all practical precautions to ensure that she didn't get pregnant again. Um, And certainly, you know, you can't you can't always know that that's going to happen. I mean, certainly, you know, the last child they had, she was very close to death because of it, because of that heart condition. But they were still able to deliver the child, thankfully. Um, so, so if you, certainly if you know, like plan for it. You know, do yourself a favor and not put yourself in a position where that might happen. And certainly, if you have, uh, you know, a family history of uh, eclampsia or um, T TTP or um, you know miscarrying or whatever be aware of that like don't don't think lightly of these things and you won't have to put yourself in positions where that might even happen if it's a freak thing well you know that is that is unfortunate but it would still be better that that a mother and child die in childbirth and go to heaven than to you know basically eternally damn a mother for doing this Mm. um so that's, yeah, I think that sums that up fairly well. Yeah. So my position, I have to be careful because there's many, there's many ways to understand it. Um, I think it helps, to, it helps at the, at the first glance to know that I don't think, <sighs> paint us a picture, Justin, I'm ready. I don't think the fetus is a person, um, but it's really important to say that it's also because I don't believe morality is best grounded in personhood. Okay. Um, 
to me, personhood is more or less a political concept. And, and I'll give you an example of why. If you say that personhood depends on X characteristics, right, then necessarily you're saying that everything that doesn't fit that criterion to at least a sufficient level um, don't count as people. And so there have been many philosophers who have tried to do this over the years. Um, they either ground it in your reason, they ground it in your capacity to experience, they ground it in your... Um, Oh, there's a whole slew of things. But the problem is that no matter which way you slice it, it's, it means that some set of human beings who we would like to consider people aren't. And uh, it, the perfect example of this is Kant thought, you know, what made a person a person was their rational ability to reflect and reason. Well, this means that um, comatose people aren't people. Uh, infants aren't people. It also means that people with uh, certain mental disabilities wouldn't count as people. And these are clearly absurd notions. So when I, when I look at personhood, it, it, it seems to me more like a political thing. It, we call someone a person when they belong to our polis in some meaningful capacity. That being said, um, what I ground morality in is experience. And to me, it, there's no compelling evidence that a fetus has experience. And as a consequence, I don't think that there's anything wrong with abortion. But the flip side is I realize this is a contentious issue because there are some people who would say, well, you could reasonably include a fetus in the polis or we can ground personhood in some other way that does include the fetus. Certainly. So the, the other side of this is that um, I think that if we are to, if we ascribe the fetus personhood, that doesn't necessarily get us to the position where it's wrong to kill it. And I, I understand this is probably where we have a lot of our disagreements, sure. because I believe that there's a ton of circumstances that do justify taking a life. Um, and moreover, there are more circumstances that justify um, not providing the resources to continue a life, which is meaningfully different in my view. And as a consequence, any of those circumstances will carry over to abortion, which means that the vast majority of abortions are morally good even if you do well i shouldn't say morally good morally neutral if you do consider the fetus a person sure um <laughs> I, I just want to throw this out um as a as a um well I'll, I'll start by clarifying i i wouldn't go so far to say that it is never justifiable to take a life I'm not I'm not going to say that because certainly there are situations where it is. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of actually ties into why um, the church supports capital punishment, um, interestingly enough, which is something that I didn't I didn't realize, but actually is supported. Um, and there's I won't try to make that argument because I'm not nearly as versed in it as I should be to make mm -hmm. it. So I'm going to just exclude that. Um so, so I can be clear then, um, you said personhood is grounded essentially in, in a polis. Right. Okay. So, so the ability of a person to be, th or the ability of a being to be thought of as a political being is kind of where the personhood hinges then. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's not like a... Some people like to imagine it as like a quality of a being, like a thing is a person if it has X. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it operates that way. It's not like a category per, per se. Not a featherless biped by any means. Yeah, it's just like, it's not a featherless biped look. <laughs> <laughs> Diogenes, I'm looking at you. Uh, and, but like, but again, um, I think that there are things that ground morality other than personhood, like experience. And that, that we do a whole an, animal rights episode, but that's sure. for that. Okay. Um, yeah, just wanted to just want to make sure that I'm not going to start slinging stones at a straw man by any means. Um, that's like it's the most infuriating thing is just um, oh, it's useless for both parties. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, you build up an ironclad argument and then, you know, somebody's like, ha ha, I burned down your straw man. Yeah. Um, great. Thanks. Um, yeah, too bad we don't. I should have brought the fallacy poster over to hang up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we've got, 
we've got where we're at with this. So where do we want to go from here? So I don't think we're going to make any budgets on the fetus as a person. I think that that's fairly... I don't think it's a life hypothesis. Really, it's just a it's a category choice, and ultimately, that's a thing I don't think there's any traction on. Sure. Um, we might be able to get... Oh, I have a question yeah. for you. So, a lot of the abortion rights revolve around my body, my choice. Yeah. And I'm sure anybody who experiences a daily life has probably heard that phrase before. Um, so, if you haven't, Thank you for crawling out from under your rock. Here you are. Um, so I would argue mm -hmm. that the my body, my choice argument doesn't actually work in this case because the fetus, the child, is fundamentally not the woman's body. Yeah. So you're, you're arguing that because the fetus is a person, it also has the rights of personhood, which include bodily autonomy. Right. Um and so the idea that, you know, it's my body and I can do what I want with it, it's like, well, is that your body? Mm -hmm. Like, certainly the two of them are connected, um, but it doesn't end your experience to the end the experience, the possible experiences of a fetus. Mm -hmm. um, and so on that point, I would, you know, beyond any, you know, faith-based argumentation of which, you know, I've provided some, that I would just say, no, that's that's not a good enough argument. Yeah. Um, it, there are certainly stronger arguments than that, but that's not a good enough argument, I would say. So this is actually why I think it's really important to, to properly conceptualize of abortion, because I think that there's a ways in which abortion gets construed as killing, which I don't actually agree with. Um, to me, abortion seems more like failing to provide the resources to continue a life. Um, and I can give you an analogy that might help understand this. Okay. You can imagine that you are, um, you are like uh, the caretaker of another individual. Um, and just to remove extraneous circumstances, um, the, the details about how you came to care for this individual is irrelevant. Okay. Now, you have to provide food, water for this person to survive, and they are literally incapable of doing it themselves. Okay. Um, it, I do not believe it is tantamount to killing a person to not do so, um, particularly because um, I'm not the agent that is taking it upon themselves to proactively kill that life so much as I am the one who is not providing those uh, that aid. Okay. Um, and the reason why this is relevant is because in abortion, we typically imagine that the, the, the agent is going in there killing there, which is literally what they're doing. But um, imagine this. Imagine we lived in a society where we can remove the fetus, place it in a vat, and then it grows into a perfectly functioning human being. At that point, I don't believe the woman would have a right to kill the, the fetus. They would only have a right to remove it. Right. They'd only have a right to stop providing the resources. Um, and this is, uh, this is a uh, position called evictionism. So the, the woman has a right to evict because it's in her body, um, but she doesn't have a right to control the body of the fetus once it's done with her body. Right. Yeah. And I think um, certainly the, um, the, the propagation of life through a situation like that is, of course, a, a net benefit. Um, and I don't think we would disagree on that at all. Um, I might hesitate a little bit on on the... Uh, it would have to be pretty damn safe. What do you mean? Like, it, that it's not one of those, like, well, this has a 30% chance of being uh, non-lethal, mm. right? So it's not good enough, right? So... I mean, it'd be cool, certainly, if we could do things like that, um, but it's it's tricky. Yeah. Um, have I? Well, I'll spell this out too, because along those same lines, um, the like the Catholic Church doesn't support um, IVF. Uh, yeah. So, which is 
it's interesting because a lot of the, you know, people when they when they understand that like the church is pro life and meaning like pro procreation, they think, oh well, in vitro fertilization is of course a great a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason it's not supported by the church is because, you know, eggs are extracted mm-hmm. and then fertilized outside before they're implanted. Yeah. There are some fertilized eggs that are not implanted. Yeah, they, they are discarded. Out. Yeah. So that discarding of life is just the same as having an abortion, basically. Um, that's like that's just fundamentally where it lies on the spectrum, um, and so that's that's part of it. I mean, maybe there's a maybe they'll develop some way of like forcibly implanting fertilized eggs into the wall of a uterus from you know all inside <laughs> like some some laparoscopic impregnant thing impregnating device or whatever um which let's be real would be super cool um they do have isn't that vaguely what artificial insemination is um i'm not i'm not familiar but so i i think the the distinction would lie in that um the artificial insemination i believe is just that um any method other than sex basically is what oh so ivf is form of right um so you know if i just took a you know if i wanted to impregnate a cow and i just took a syringe full of bull semen and Mm -hmm. you know shot up this this cow like that would that would count as artificial insemination because it's not natural insemination basically Mm -hmm. um and certainly i i want to say they've made like synthetic gametes for certain organ maybe Uh, i could i could be wrong on that one but that's plausible um that would be another form if such a thing exists i think it would also fall in that category yeah um um it's actually interesting too because the the fertility clinics is usually a a big sticking point here because it's refreshing to see the the consistency there because i think that um in a lot of modern day thought that there's just not enough there's just not enough acknowledgement of that and, you know, like, in, when you hear, like, a fetus is a person. Right. Usually it's almost always in reference to um, a, a woman. So, I have a, I think we, I think we might have some, some discussion to be had here. Okay. Do you believe that a woman who gets herself pregnant is fully responsible for that? And I, I should actually... Uh, yeah, might need a little bit of clarity on that one. I, I want to rephrase the question because I don't want to use passive voice because it's really important to 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 be clear in the language. Do you think that a, that a woman who gets pregnant by a man is, re- is fully responsible? And what I mean by that is if a woman gets pregnant, um, is she fully responsible for the life that has been created? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you have more to say on that? I would say that in, you know, in an ideal situation, she's not solely responsible, yeah. certainly, um, but she's responsible. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the way it is, um, you know, and there's a lot of, like, you know, people people will say, you know, oh, I got, I got raped and I don't want to have my kid and, you know, somebody is saying, well, you know, getting raped is part of God's plan for your life. Bullshit. Okay. (laughs) So, so I'm going to call this out right now. Um, there's a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful priest on YouTube. His name's Father Mike Schmitz. And he did an episode talking about something like that. And it's the difference between, um, uh, God's active will and God's permissive will. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it is, it's sort of against the nature of God to deny free will to human beings. Like, that is, regardless of how much suffering it causes, it's still our greatest good because we can do the greatest good when we have free will. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it is 
absolutely abhorrent and terrible that a woman gets raped, period. Like, mm-hmm. that just, that's terrible. But to say that it is actively part of God's plan for a woman's life is complete bullshit. Like, it's not. And it's not even that he chooses that for her. Yeah. It's that bad people do bad things. Yeah. And you are a victim of a bad person doing a bad thing. And that's really unfortunate. And I am sorry for anybody who has experienced that happening. Um, I'm thankful that that hasn't happened to me. Um, and, you know, God willing, that will never happen to me. But, um, you know, it's it's not a it's not an active thing that like, oh, yeah, well, you know, such and such doesn't want to have a kid. So I'll just make sure she gets raped so that she'll have one. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. that's, no, that's a complete misunderstanding of um, divinity, I think, just overall. Um, I don't know where we were going with that. I kind of lost it a little bit, but just, I wanted to, I wanted to throw that out there because that's, yeah. you know, it's part of the responsibility, certainly, um, of, of bearing that child. There, I found it. Um, in that, yeah, you don't always choose your circumstances, mm-hmm. but that doesn't the the imposition of morally unjust circumstances in your life does not absolve you of then furthering to make morally unjust choices. Yeah. Um I is that's two wrongs don't make a right event essentially. Right. I think that there's a there's a useful distinction here, just a straw man. Uh, a strong man. Um there's a there's often philosophers make the distinction between having responsibility for and um, being the cause of. Okay. Right. And 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 the way I understand what you're saying is that um, the woman might not have necessarily been the cause of it, but she still has responsibility for it because she's in that circumstance where she is now, for p- potentially unjust reasons, the assigned caretaker of said life. Right. Yeah. And um, you know that's. I realize that I'm just kind of, you know, waltzing right over that. Um, in fairness, that wasn't an easy place to get to for me. No, oh, um, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, it is, it's the most cogent position yeah. given how everything else goes before. Um. So what what do you think? Do you think, do you think that uh, that a woman is always responsible in that case? No, actually, and perhaps, yeah, we, we do disagree a lot here. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Let's do it. I'll I'll so, try not to I'll try not to scream. It's um it's more that to me human sexuality seems a lot like hunger. To to try there's um. I don't have all the evidence in front of me, but as far as I understand the the modern literature, um, sexual frustration leads to all sorts of uh, psychological issues in people. Um, when I say issues, I don't mean like mental illness. I mean like they tend to get more agitated. They tend to be more violent. Um, and the incel community, if anything, is a, is a case study of that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to, to it's really... It, and it, it, there's no such thing as perfect contraception. Um, and as a consequence, it seems to me like there is always a threshold at which um, people will have sex and then they will conceive, not intending to conceive. And um, I'll give you another analogy that okay. might help. Um, and some of these analogies, are, by the way, are from Judith Jarvis Thompson's A Defense of Abortion. Um, if, if you want to read more about the examples I'm giving, highly recommend you read it because it's, it changed my thoughts about this a lot. Um, but but her, the analogy she gives is, imagine you just want to um, leave your window open, right? Because it's hot inside. So you open up your window, but then the seeds blow in and then uh, the seeds take root in your house, right? It, Imagine also that these seeds have an experience and that for no matter how you want to define the category, they qualify as people. Okay. Does that mean that you are responsible for them? Does it mean that you cause them? Right. That's a, those are complicated questions. And in my view, I don't think that either of those are the case. Okay. Um, 
so to me, it's, it's more along those lines. Um, that's not to say I don't think that there is some degree of recklessness that can be involved. Um, if you have a lot of unprotected sex and you get uh, someone impregnates you, um, it's probably not morally good. But the data also shows that the majority of women have abortions because they can't afford the kid or they can't currently handle one. And they're, they're almost never taken lightly. And the only reason I include almost there is because I haven't li read literally 100% of the case studies. But every single case study I've read, uh, the abortion is taken very seriously. As in, they've tried everything in their power not to have a kid. Um, and incidentally, a lot of these are um, drawn along uh, class lines where you find that lower class people tend to need abortions more because they have a lack of access to contraception. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's broadly my position on that. Um, I think it's a really important thing to say, too, because I think that this is probably why we get hung up on uh, whether or not it's justified, right? Because if I believe that you're not responsible for it, and if I believe that you didn't cause it, then you failing to provide the resources for it is completely justified because you had no obligation to do so to begin with. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I certainly don't think we, we disagree that if you're going to, if you're going to have a lot of unprotected sex and then, you know, Pikachu meme face when you get pregnant, um, I'm sorry, that's, you know, that's kind of your own damn fault, honestly. Um, but, and certainly you said, I think you said that there wasn't a perfect birth control. Yeah, there's not. I would disagree with you. I, I would say that that not having sex is really, really great at not bringing about children. And I realize that that's highly idealized. Yeah. Right? I do realize that. Um, and that it's very hard to have people imagine that that's possible. Um, it is possible. It's hard. And for a lot of people, it's really, really difficult and it sucks, but it is possible. And I'm not trying to like, you yeah. know, deflate your whole argument by saying that. Um, certainly I don't, but um, that no, was where I, where I throw that in there. But um, uh, let's see. You had said... I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about that uh, windows open with the seeds example. Sure. I wanna I wanna talk about that. Um, and I th that plays a bit into. Um, no, I'm gonna leave that one alone. Um, yeah. So if you if you leave your window open, and people seeds mm -hmm. blow into this window, um, I think. I, it gets back to the fundamental disagreement we have that I think there is a there is a level at which you are responsible for that just mm -hmm. because now there is even if you did not will them to blow into your window they're there like there it is and you know if it's a if it's a person who can have experience not that is experiencing at that very moment but can have experience at some future point, um, then yeah, you do have responsibility for that. Um, you know, I guess, I guess if you don't want seeds blowing in your window to leave the window shut, and if somebody breaks your window, I'm very sorry. That's a terrible thing that somebody did to your window. Yeah. That, it's not about windows. Um. What else can we? Where else can we go with this? I feel like there's some other things we can talk about. Hmm. Um. Well, a lot of people, I think, pull the, um, try to try to deflate the adoption argument by the against abortion by saying by talking about how despicable the adoption market, if you want to call it, that is. Mm. I don't disagree. <laughs> Adoption here is a huge issue. Um, and certainly to 
to say that an abortion would be uh, morally better for that being to not exist than to exist in a foster care system is that that's somehow better. Um, I think plays a bit to what you were talking about, how, you know, people generally prefer existence over non-existence, even if that existence is, you know, a net suffering in general. Um, I think that it plays perfectly off of that. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be a foster system. I don't want there to be kids who aren't adopted. I don't I don't want to even I don't want to imagine a world where adoption is something that has to happen. Um ultimately it is because, you know, we don't live in a perfect world. It's not ideal. You know, parents die, parents leave their kids in trash cans for some reason, parents, you know, this, that or the other reason for, you know, not wanting to keep their child um you know for one reason or another i get that like it's not something you can avoid and certainly having it is still better than not having it at the end of the day um and this is i think where we can you know tie this into antinatalism a little bit Mm -hmm. is um there there's an argument from people who aren't necessarily like strictly antinatalists but are like maybe you should think about it before you have one natalists (laughs) um that you know there are a ton of kids that need to be adopted and that you would be doing a larger you would be doing a greater moral good by adopting a child than by having one of your own um and I I don't think that's a fair argument. However, I do think that you would be doing a morally wonderful thing by adopting a child, certainly. Um, but your, your choice to have a child should not be in any way overshadowed by a system of um, children who need to be adopted. I realize that's like a whole wall of things to throw at you all at once, but... There's some things I think I I do disagree with, but I don't think they're necessarily pertinent to our discussion. Um, So, but incidentally, the way I understand that isn't actually quite the same that you do. So, part of... uh, Whenever we uh, talk about whether a thing is moral and immoral, we could talk about it in a, a kind of vacuum, right? Where we imagine the circumstances being separate. But um, because this is, we're talking about not just philosophy, but political philosophy on this channel, one thing I think it bears mentioning is that we also have to think about the alternatives, right? And um, you had mentioned the thing about abstinence, right? Right. Um, to me, that's not a legitimate uh, direction because the data overwhelmingly shows that abstinence education is just ineffective because people will be inclined to have sex and you can't really suppress that. Um, the other the other side of this is that um, when, whenever we consider abortion, we have to consider, well, what are the consequences of that woman not having an abortion, right? And a lot of these cases, um, the well, actually, there's clear data that shows that uh, if a woman is denied an abortion, that child tends to have worse child outcomes than their peer group and when you control for you know like class and uh, ethnicity and stuff like that certainly um so part of part of the reason why i'm a big supporter of um i should well i am pro-abortion i don't want to miss words um is because the societal impact of not having that is is enormous. Uh, you're talking about because like basically you're giving birth to children who, fifty I think it's like fifty six percent of the time the woman has no capacity to support for various reasons, and that's usually why women have abortions. And then these these kids end up hitting our institutions, such as adoption, which is why I think it gets frequently cited. But you also have like delinquency, homelessness, crime rates, and things of that nature as well. Certainly. Um, but then. Obviously, we slice up the utility differently because I also don't think that 
I think it's just a set of possible experiences where you you would conceive of that much, much broader. Right, and where it's it is a set of possible experiences, and I I think the the differentiation is that um, I would say that if it is possible for a being to have that set of experiences, then interfering with the ability to have those experiences mm-hmm. is where the problem is. Yeah, that's like Don Marquis, you know. Well, actually, why is murder wrong? Why is murder wrong? (laughs) Um, Well, it certainly, you know, just to use that same thread is, you know, it it denies the ability of a person to continue to have their experiences. And certainly if we're talking about murder qua, Mm -hmm. they have not done something sufficient to warrant not having more experience Mm -hmm. um and that's like a a legal warranting of something sufficient not a personal vendetta of doing something sufficient yeah okay um and yeah i I largely agree with that um i I think that that is what makes murder wrong but incidentally as you said the the the, the the sufficiency is an an interesting point because i perhaps i'm just far more utilitarian than you because i i don't think as as bad as it sounds, I think that there are plenty of cases where it's perfectly justified to kill a person. <laughs> I well, I didn't say there weren't any. Yeah, no, but I get it. I think, but yeah, I think for me, it's like just a much bigger field. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a, a retro anti-natalist, <laughs> um, you know that's your prerogative. But uh, yeah, I mean, certainly there are there are plenty of situations where it's where it's warranted. You know, if you are. If you are trying to defend yourself against being attacked and the only way that you can prevent your death is to, you know, take the life of the person attacking you, you know, they they kind of took on that responsibility when they attacked you. Mm-hmm. Whether they, you know, believe that or not, that's kind of you know, how that goes. Um so in situations like that, certainly, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to defend yourself or another person from the knowingly and, you know, willing choice of another person to take a life, then, yeah, yeah. OK, that's that's fine. That's totally justifiable. Um, inventing that reason to then go and do it is not justifiable. I'm looking at you, George bush (laughs) let's let's not um let's not be unclear about that that like man that is spicy uh yeah all right so we spent a lot of time talking about abortion specifically but probably the most interesting question we're going to get to is what do we believe the state's responsibility is in this and whether or not uh there should be legislation, what that legislation should look like, what the enforcement should look like, et cetera. Um, I'll start this time. Sure. I don't think the state should be involved in this period. There's a number of reasons why. Um, for one, uh, if it's ho- the only person who could vet the pregnant person's experience is the pregnant person, period. And... As I had said, it really depends on the alternatives at face. So even if we say that there's a negative moral valency to abortion or there's a positive moral valency to having a kid, that has to be weighed against the possible consequences it will have for the woman in question. And the only person who can make that moral evaluation is um, the mother. There's also the, the uh, there's another component to this one further component is that um as you had said there's some bodily autonomy questions about this and it it seems to me that the state can't really make once it has to do with your bodily integrity i don't think the state can really levy any force against you um even if you are functionally responsible for this kid uh the fact of the matter is it's it's in you and so even if you were doing something that's morally wrong, it, it's it's more of like the Hobbesian state of nature. It's it's that ground in which I don't think a polis can ever tread. Like, it's, imagine if your state said that you couldn't defend yourself or your state said, 
that, um, you know, they would take your firstborn uh, of, uh, of all your kids. That's like, that, that violates the, the primal uh, nature of our being, I think. Um, read, Thomas, read Thomas Hobbes. I don't agree with everything he said, but that has always stuck with me. Yeah, um, the Hobbesian state of nature, I think, is probably the strongest the strongest of any state of nature cases that can be made because he doesn't try to make some, you know, philosophical idealization about the state of nature that, no, it is just kind of, it it's brutal and harsh and, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I don't think any, any good willing person should actually deny that. Um, so as far as a, So, so the state should just, for you, your state should be completely absent from this issue as mm-hmm. far as, like, regulation or anything. Yeah. Or, now, does that mean that the state should protect the lack of regulation of this thing? I mean, I think those are functionally equivalent. So, well, yes. So, what I mean, what I mean by that is... Um, does the state have the power to allow it? Like, yes, this is a protected thing that you can do. And then also say that doesn't get regulated. Like you can't, uh, you don't have the place yeah. to regulate it. So, so the state is in the picture in so far as it allows that to happen, you know. Um, so is the difference between. Indissolvably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this is a deeper question because I also conceptualize of rights pretty differently. Um, there's a book by Martha Nussbaum. I I very much recommend everyone read because there's ways in which the conventional thinking about rights doesn't make a lot of sense. And it leads to a lot of weird contradictions and and, and paradoxes, um, not unlike actually uh, the categorical imperative. So I believe that, I actually do believe these are functionally identical. And the reason why is because it, if, if the state doesn't regulate it, right, but it also doesn't provide the resources for it, and then the market doesn't provide the resources for it, and then you basically have an entire culture that doesn't provide the resources for it, it's functionally the same as regulation because the state ultimately has a point of curating the kind of society that they're building. Okay. Um, but that being said, I... I think that, to me, it doesn't matter where the resources come from. So I don't think it matters whether or not the state is, like, you know, instituting a grant for women to get abortions or if our our society has public access resources or even private resources that are available for the vast majority of women and there are, or there are aid for the women who don't have access to those resources. You, you get what I mean. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, to me, that doesn't matter. That's not the interesting question. The interesting okay. question is whether or not they have the capacity to do so. Okay. Certainly. So, so the state doesn't have any right to, or the state doesn't have the place to say you can't do it, and the state also simultaneously doesn't have the place to say you you are protected in being able to do it, basically. It doesn't protect, yeah. nor does it deny. Yeah. Oh, and there's also, um, this is really important because it goes along with my evictionism, just, just while, we're, while we're rounding this out, because sure. I do think that there is a compelling argument that the state has an interest in future generations. Oh, certainly. Um, and as a consequence, I think that literally, if there was a way, instead of killing the fetus, to just take it out, put it in a vat, and the state was going to provide the resources to do so, that'd be what we would do. Right. Right. Um, and if the state wanted to do that, they could do that. Um, that, But I think that's as far as it goes. I don't think... Really what it is is that just the state doesn't have, a, have the ability to say what you do with this body. Right. Um, but up until the point where the fetus isn't involved, after the point of the fetus is involved with your body, you know, it's, that's, that's the state's business. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's a lot of information. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I get, I get where you're coming from with the, with the state's role in it. So, so that's good. Um, I would say that it's a hard line for me for this for this particular topic mm-hmm. because the 
the the sort of devout part of me wants to say you know the state should actually just ban it because it's never morally justifiable Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that i don't know that it's necessarily the responsibility of the state to enforce an atmosphere where people don't have the choice to sin right Mm -hmm. so like murder is a sin but even though the state says you can't murder people it doesn't take away all of your weapons and it doesn't have you know it doesn't have uh what's the the tvs in fahrenheit 451 that can see into rooms yep um you know there's none of that going on it's not like they're, you know, swooping down there and, you know, patrolling you at every moment to make sure that you're not even thinking about murdering someone. Although, like, not for lack of trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, looking at your Great Britain. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, no, I have a pocket knife. Well, sorry, I can't go to England today. Um, <laughs> unless I get it registered and they put a GPS tracker in it. Um, hot take. Yeah. Come find us on Patreon for hot takes. That's next. (laughs) Um, But so as far as that goes, like the sure you can, you can self abort. Um, You'll probably die or there's a good chance of it. Um, There's an even greater chance that you will at least temporarily seriously injure yourself if not permanently um and that's even true with you know you know surgical table abortions mm-hmm. like there's still the there's still an innate risk in doing that you know that does risk your fertility and that's obviously you know not something to be taken lightly um but i'm not sure that i'm not sure that you can necessarily just say you can't do it even though you shouldn't do it, Mm -hmm. right? So nobody should murder, and the state says that, you know, the state will punish you if you do it, but it doesn't take away the ability. Um, And certainly it would be awfully hard to (laughs) to take away the ability to murder somebody because we'll always find a way to kill someone (laughs) if we want to. Um, But that's, it's a really weird it's a really weird gray area for me. Um, and I've heard um, I've heard Catholic arguments on both sides of that, um, both sides of that argument. I've heard arguments on both sides of the argument. That's really great English. Um, <laughs> on both sides of that coin. So I'm not totally sold either way, but I don't think the state has a place to tell anybody that that is a protected right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. And in fact, we talked about this a little bit, that there are actually very few things that the state tells you you have a right to. It's more like the state telling you you don't have a right to certain things. Yeah. Um, I actually guess uh, my problems with rights ethics because all rights are conceived negatively, which makes it really oxymoronic sometimes certainly yeah we talked a little bit about um like defining it in terms of a responsibility rather than in terms of a yeah uh, an ability yeah. um well cool so um, oh sorry you know more no um i was just gonna say i think that uh i think that pretty much wraps up what we were yeah getting to there's some stuff we can talk about. yeah there's some stuff we can talk about in there um for one, um, the vast majority of abortions occur in the first trimester, and most of them are non-invasive. Most of them are like medical, actually. Like you're thinking like pills of some sorts. Right. Um, I think that's like somewhat eighty percent. Surgical abortions only count for like twenty percent of them, and most of them are in the second trimester. Like you're, you're talking less than a percent is actually in third trimester. Many of those are induced pregnancies instead of abortion because it's safer in the ways that you mentioned. Right. Um, 
Abortion is a fairly safe procedure. If you do it yourself, obviously you're gonna you're gonna mess yourself up. Right. Yeah. But if a doctor does it, it's your survival rate is a lot higher than we than a lot of surgeries we commonly do nowadays. Like a, like a, for instance, a cardiovascular stint has a higher has a higher fatality rate. Right. And you know, people get stints all the time. Right. So it, important to say um, there, just just so that our viewers are clear. Um, on the other side of that, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Oh my. There's so much to pop off the stack here. Hold on. Right. I'm going to keep like a thousand details in my head. Oh, I love how you use that uh, that that uh, computer science jargon. Dude, that's how I that's how I conceptualize it. Look. Right. I love it. Um, Steve, is that all right? It's not coming to me now. Well, we'll bring it up in our next big episode. True. Um, but I think that that broadly rounds it out. Uh, our positions. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, James? Anything um, you want to say in closing? Um, I think it's important, uh, fundamentally important, as we have done here, that we very much disagree on what we're talking about. We are two compl- we're completely separate camps on this. Um, and we sit down and have a reasonable conversation and a couple of laughs here and there when, ap- when appropriate um, about it and just... You know, we're gonna click. We're gonna turn off the recording, and we're just gonna, you know, go about our our normal daily lives, and we're not gonna try to strangle each other, presumably. <laughs> um, making me a little nervous. <laughs> um, and so, like, if anything, if there's anything to take away, if we don't change a mind about uh, abortion or rights or states or anything else we have talked about in this episode, take away from it that you can have a reasonable argument with somebody that you disagree with and not just rage quit, basically. Um, there's there's a lot of that happening now, and it's really sad to see it because one of the best things that we can do as human beings is be rational and have rational arguments and not lose our heads about things just because we feel personal about them like if somebody wants to go on a tirade at me uh in some comment or video or whatever um about me being catholic or well now orthodox the idea um like go ahead you can you can do that if you want to um i probably won't respond because i have a million and one things that are better to do than you know try to negotiate with trolls um, but ultimately find, find a place where you can have a reasonable argument. Even if you come away, you know, just in as much disagreement with the person as you went into it with, you understand their position better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like the biggest thing is you grow, you grow when you understand more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, sounds like a, uh, you know, a poster or something like that about understanding, but like, yeah, that's kind of the way it is. So, so be do the prudent thing, and be rational. Yeah, I I would agree with all those points, and I would say too, these conversations are exceptionally important to the modern day. We we completely disagree, and I hope one day to convince James, as I'm sure he hopes to convince me. But the the point is that if if we are going to convince people, we have to understand where they're at what the life hypotheses are, and the ways in which we can communicate and improve either of our understandings. Um, coming at this with a combative attitude typically won't solve any things. And, and as you can see, these issues are complicated. Um, at, there are many levels of possible disagreement, whether or not you think having a kid is good, whether or not having, having an abortion is okay, whether or not you think the state should get involved. And the important thing to recognize is that pick your battles you know if you're if you're gonna like for me i believe that personal problems do often become political but what's relevant is that we we craft a society that works for the most people and i i don't want to see a state that um makes abortion illegal but on the other hand you know it's like we can have disagreements about the morality of it and then acquiesce that's like okay well this is what our state should do right 
and, and this is really important. Um, understand who you're talking with and understand that they're a person and then start from there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fundamentally deny someone's personhood. <laughs> like the whole tie together of this episode don't deny somebody's personhood um in whatever form that takes but yeah be, be educated about your point and get educated about somebody else's point and if they're wrong like actually factually incorrect call them out like you know it's, it's better that everybody is actually right about their facts because you know everybody could have the facts everybody could be in full knowledge of exactly what the facts are and still disagree and that's that's the best place for everyone to be mm -hmm. is have all the facts and can also disagree so anything else you'd like to add i'm good all right thank you everyone so much for watching make sure you check us out on facebook uh, if you're on YouTube, you can check us out on like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM. Uh, if you're already on one of those audio only, come check us out on YouTube and make sure to check us out on Patreon because we're about to go film some hot takes. Um, I'm going to get very excited about <laughs> things and Justin's going to laugh at me. <laughs> Uh, and hopefully it will provide the the uh, enjoyment of the however much you decide to to contribute for our videos. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Oh my god, that was an hour long. <laughs> I was supposed to fill in the gaps. Holy fuck. Yeah.